This is Ian Hartley. I'm Warren Kay. And I am Sasha Steenbergen. Welcome to the Rediscovering God podcast. We invite you to join us as we endeavor to see him more clearly, love him more dearly, and follow him more nearly. You will find the PDF document that we're following today on our website, rediscoveringgod.ca, where the recordings, the PDFs, the podcasts are all listed there. You can share that website with your friends and they can follow along. We'd also really love to invite you to the Monday night Zoom discussion where we all gather in fellowship with each other, all us listeners of the podcast, where we can come with our questions, comments, thoughts, um, resources. It's a wonderful time of encouragement where um, we get to affirm each other and encourage each other. Um, so that's a Monday nights at 7.30 Mountain Time. You can just type in 403-506-9201. And we'd love to have you there. as we start out this brand new year, 2022 has such a nice ring to it. And we've kind of decided to do some new things. Uh, Tell us a bit about our new venture. Yeah, so it's kind of uh, a cool thing. Uh, I think it's developed through conversations that a few of us have had here um, where people have said, you know, it might be really nice to see uh, the people who are talking on the podcast. And of course, people are always asking me, who is this Ian and Warren? We don't know them, but they sound so cool. And so through conversation, I think the idea came together to start a YouTube channel recording these sessions uh, so that there could be a little bit more interaction as well to, to just follow along with the dialogue. So if you just go to YouTube and, and search for Rediscovering God, I think you'll be able to find us that way. If you have trouble finding us, shoot me an email at rediscoveringgod20 at gmail.com and I'll send you the link. It might be a little while until we get some hits before it starts coming up when you do a search, but it's there. Uh, Last week's podcast was our first one and we're excited to have this format, format in addition to the podcast format for people to listen in. So Ian... Yeah, Warren. Yes. You know, this is kind of scary for me because I was always told I have a good face for radio. (laughs) You have a good voice for radio and a good voice and face for YouTube as well. Amen. Darling, that's (laughs) as good as it gets. That is. (laughs) So where are we going today, Ian? We end to talk about uh, a core issue, um, and that is what it means to believe. 
uh, you know, <laughs> over my rather long life, I preached many funeral sermons, and I usually preach on John 3.16, and I can be quite eloquent about uh, most everything else but believing. I never really uh, was able to deal with what that meant to my satisfaction. I think we're going to do that tonight or today in this podcast. Great. We're going to just try and get down to the very essence of what it means uh, to believe. And um, we're going to start out with a passage in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul makes uh, a claim five times. in these verses, we'll point that out. So, Second um, Corinthians three, from seven to eighteen, and we're using the New Living Translation. If your translation's a little bit difficult, different, I mean. Um, Sasha, why don't you read uh, verse seven and eight? The old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses's face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? Thank you. So it starts off with the old way with laws etched in stone. I think that's pretty self-explanatory that it's, uh, well, let me listen to what you guys think. What, what do you think that is referring to? Well, I know of no other laws that were etched in stone other than the Ten Commandment law. And, and it was at that time that Moses went up into God's presence, came down with a face that just glowed with God's glory. And that's what it's referring to here, that such, you know, that it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face. So mm. it's got to be referring to the Ten Commandment law, in my opinion. Yeah, would you um, divorce it from the rest of the laws that Moses uh, wrote down? Well, not necessarily, but certainly it's, it's highlighting the Ten Commandment law. Yeah, and right. it led to death. Oh, what about that? That is shocking right now for me. Well, it, it is a very shocking statement to make because we have always seen the law as a way of giving life. It, it keeps us out of jail. It, it, um, it protects us from other unfortunate circumstances. I mean, really, if it was better to steal, God wouldn't have said, don't steal. So it, it's a good thing not to steal. It's a good thing not to kill. Mm-hmm. But here it's saying it leads to death or it led to death. So mm-hmm. that, I'm really yeah, I'm curious about that. So the second time he makes uh, the statement about the old and the new, uh, it'll clarify this a little bit. Uh, okay. So let's move to uh, Warren, if you'll read verse 9 and 10. If the old way, which brings condemnation was glorious, 
how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God. In fact, that first glory was not glorious at all compared with the overwhelming glory of the new way. Okay, so we've got a parallel here. Um, Paul is saying, look, the old way brought condemnation. It was glorious, uh, but it brought condemnation. This is why it leads to death. Mm -hmm. uh, because when you're living under condemnation, uh, you're dying inside. Mm -hmm. I mean, if, if you want to destroy a child, just keep them under condemnation all the time. You'll soon take away their joy of living, mm -hmm. their enthusiasm for life. And that works for adults too. Well, and, and when you realize that Jesus takes that law and moves it from externals to internal. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not just not killing someone, but it's having hatred in your heart against someone. And, and, and so that is very condemning because we've all experienced those kinds of feelings and emotions mm -hmm. and, and those condemn us. Yeah. Now, notice the new way in verse nine makes us right with God. So the New Living Translation has explained the word that's used in other translations. Do you know what the word is? I think it would be justified. Justified, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they actually uh, spell it out. They, they put the definition in rather than just a synonym. Yeah. Uh, so how do you make a person right with God, a holy God, uh, a God who has no evil or wickedness in him? The only way you can be made right with him is if you uh, are innocent. And, and God can make us innocent because we didn't choose to be born on this planet. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. we've talked about that at quite some length. Yeah. Um, so by comparison, uh, the, the overwhelming glory of the new way uh, actually causes the glory of the old way, which was spectacular, uh, to pale into insignificance. Mm. Okay, so the new way is premised on a new heart, which leads to a new mind, which leads to a new body eventually. Now, I, I start with a new heart, not a new mind, because relationships are emotionally based. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're tracking on the, the same track. Um, well, when, you know, we, yeah. when we talk about God being a God of love and we begin to understand how much he loves us, that's heart. That, that, that elicits a response of, of love in my heart, which, which then can move to my head. And we've talked about this before, and often we've thought we need to get this message from our head to our heart, but what we really need is to get it from our heart deeper, and then it can move to our head. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. So you both married. Uh, did you marry for logical, legal reasons? You, you had a checklist, you checked off all the points that you required 
And then you looked into the person's background to make sure that their ancestors were all okay. Is that how it happened? Naturally, Ian, naturally. <laughs> There's no other way. <laughs> and uh, how much will you charge me for the Eiffel Tower? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laugh. That's so good. That's a, yeah. a good way to bring it around. Yeah. Really, relationships are based on emotion. I think the the part, because lots is simmering here for me, but I'm just starting to think um, I've never actually done well with rules myself. Uh, I always find them oppressive and I find that I shrink as soon as there is, you know, let's start with the rules and then go from there. And I usually back away and I go, okay, well, this isn't my party. Um, and so I would not be having a hard experience. And I think that may actually be some of why this is very unlocking the door to my heart because it it's like it it's like the rules are not here this is about an open experience with god um and i'm very attracted to him so yeah we we just need to make the caveat that there's nothing wrong with rules no you know, sure the problem with the old way was the people. You know, they, they've hardly got the Ten Commandments and they're worshipping a golden calf and 3,000 people are killed. I mean, talk about leading to death. It's um, mm -hmm. a good example. Um, so, but we need to move on. Here's the third statement that he makes. Uh, Sasha, verse 11 and 12. So if the old way, which has been replaced, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new, which remains forever? Since the new way gives us such confidence, we can be very bold. Well, that's a bit of a shocker. The old way, which uh, has been replaced. Um, this isn't the only place that Paul says uh, talks to this uh, replacement. Um, Galatians 3.19. Um, Warren, if you can read that, please. Galatians 3.19. Sure. Why then was the law given? It was given alongside the promise to show people their sins. But the law was designed to last only until the coming of the child who was promised. God gave his law through angels to Moses who was the mediator between God and the people. Thank you. So it, the old way was designed to last only until the coming of the child, the Messiah. Um, mm -hmm. I'm glad Paul's saying that. I don't have to say it. There's so many things in Galatians 3.19. We could spend the whole podcast on it. Maybe we should one day, but uh, just we need to, he said three things now about the old way. Um, what did he say first? Leads to death. Yeah. Then he said it uh, leads to condemnation. Yeah. Uh, and now he says it's been replaced. Yeah, it was temporary. Yeah. Yes. So, by the way, I. I just want to say the, a bit about the condemnation. You know, um, 
what does the law condemn uh, in us? Well, virtually everything, <laughs> you know, and, and when you live under condemnation, it's very depressing. Mm -hmm. and, and that's why he's talking about now in verse 12, the new way gives us such confidence. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's going to get even better in the next statement. Mm -hmm. uh, so it gives us confidence before God and before ourselves. We stop beating ourselves up because we know that God values us and has forgiven our sins and we move on. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's go to the next one, the fourth statement here. Um, Sasha, if you can read that, please. We are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the glory even though it was destined to fade away. But the people's minds were hardened, and to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so that they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can only be removed by believing in Christ. Well, that last line is really a kicker, isn't it? Mm -hmm. This veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. And th this is why I chose this passage uh, to start with. That's very strong language. Mm -hmm. Can be removed only. There's no other way. Uh, by believing in Christ. Go ahead, Warren. Sorry. The, the other thing that jumped out at me was verse, first part of verse 14. But the people's minds were hardened. And to this day. Whenever the old covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds so they can't understand the truth. This is still happening when he wrote it, and I believe it's still happening yet today. So I have to ask you, who's it happening to? Because he's talking about uh, Jews, Hebrews. Well, yes, they were, they were people that, that started out believing in Jesus. They were being tempted to slide back into going back into Judaism and all the rituals and all of those things that they had gotten from Moses. So, so even today, yeah. people who are depending upon uh, religion, on the rules, on the regulations, the traditions, uh, without Jesus as the center and the core, uh, they're in danger of, of not understanding the, the, the importance of Jesus. Sasha, you're not saying anything. I'm worried. Well, I, I'm just feeling like I've had maybe many experiences where I feel like this is still happening. Um, I, I just had a, a personal experience in regards to music. Uh, you know, my husband and I play worship music and we are absolutely, you know, moved by this um, style of worship that we love to worship God in. And I, I just know that... Um, you know, it, it was made very clear, you know, that this way that we are worshiping was not in line with, you know, God's way, right? The, the typical church way. And it's so interesting because it called into question my relationship with God. And it was very discouraging for me. And then I just listened to a podcast this week, actually, that completely um, 
validated my heart and 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 confirmed that my heart was always in the place of worship and in in line with god um but it was the rules it was it was the traditions it was the belief system that was put around it to decide what was in and what was out that was actually separating people from the experience and it just created such freedom that I knew my gut was right on this, you know, and, and, and not to say that I am doing it the right way or whatever, but I just knew, knew where my heart was. And so it took, you know, it took a veil off of relief, actually, that I was able to have this beautiful experience with God. Um, but I think that it, it created a barrier and for many people and many young people, it's creating barriers. And so that was just an example for me how um if there is this tradition based belief it can yeah it it creates condemnation and that actually leads to death of spirit just like you said which was that was happening for me thank you thank you this veil can be removed only by believing in christ so you know it becomes more crucial to understand what it actually means to believe. So here's the fifth statement, uh, Moses. Uh, uh, Warren, if you can read it. Yes, even today, when they read Moses's writings, their hearts are covered with that veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So there you have uh, a parallel statement to believing in Christ is turning to the Lord. Yeah. Just a different way of describing it. That's the fifth statement that Paul makes in this uh, passage. And now we come to the conclusion. Sasha, if you can read the conclusion, please, verses 17 and 18. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. Freedom from what? Well, I'm just using the statements he's made. The first one he said in the old way, it leads to death. So in the new way, you lose your fear of death. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. The next point he made was um, the old way leads to condemnation. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have freedom from condemnation. You know that condemnation isn't coming from God. Yeah. Uh, it comes from the devil, certainly. Uh, there's stories in the, even the Old Testament of, of the Satan bringing accusations against God's people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we self-condemn. Uh, mm-hmm. This is one of the major problems sinners have. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they condemned themselves. And they condemned themselves for being naked. They condemned themselves for being friends with God and hid from him. And uh, it's freedom from that Mm self-condemnation that you know you're a beloved child of God Mm -hmm. that is not condemning you. Amen. I had a member once after hearing the gospel and understanding it more clearly said for a couple of weeks afterwards, they, they just sensed that something was different and they had a hard time understanding it. And then they realized they were just so much lighter 
that there wasn't the weight <laughs> condemnation that they were always yeah. having before that. Aha. Uh -huh. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, no, I love that you um, highlighted that because I was just actually thinking when I read that first line where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there is a very powerful worship song um, that Tay and I used to sing that 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 is the line in the song. And it it just it, it creates almost emotion for me now hearing the song and really realizing the power behind those words. Mm -hmm. um, so I love it. So verse 18 so Please. all of all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. So who's doing the changing? The Lord, who is the spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and this is the work of God. Yeah. Mm relief this is the difference between being a believer and a humanist or a believer and a legalist humanists have to do it themselves legalists have to do it well with god's help but they still have to do it <laughs> yeah where the believer understands um, that the lord is going to do it how mm. about that for freedom yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us, the Lord makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Mm. Hey, guys, you know, you know, one of, excuse me, I just can't stop now. <laughs> one of the reasons uh, we get together, one of our major responsibilities as uh, believers, is to notice the change in fellow believers and affirm them for it. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and I was going to point out that the, the growth and change in John, the, 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 you know, the, one of the sons of thunder, mm. eventually becomes um, the one that Jesus loved. Mm -hmm. and, and he spoke so much about love in his gospel of John and his other epistles. And um, so it, it, it happens just by spending time with Jesus. Mm. We can do the same. As we spend time with Jesus, he changes us to, to become more and more like him. It depends on which Jesus. Well, that's true. Mm. You know, there are a lot of people who spend time with Jesus because he could... Uh, um, put down everybody who opposed him and asked him questions. He just had these one-liners or one-paragraphs, and they just want to be like that. They want that's what it means to them to be like Jesus is to always win an argument. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So the central passage about believing is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. Hmm. And so we're going to go there, John 3, and we're going to read from verse 14 to 18. So, Warren, if you can read uh, verse 14, please. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him 
will have eternal life. Okay, so Jesus is making a parallel here between the bronze snake that was put up on a pole in the wilderness after snakes started biting the people. And if you looked at the bronze snake and believed something, you didn't die. Hmm. And Jesus is lifted up on a pole in wow. the wilderness of this world. And if you look at him and believe something, then you're going to live forever. What's the connection here? Well, I think it's important to realize that when that took place in, in, with the children of Israel and Moses, the people have been grumbling and complaining. Mm -hmm. They didn't like the manna. They didn't like the whole situation. They wanted to go back to Egypt. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so God was forced away. God had been protecting them from the snakes that were around them. But God is forced away, and all of a sudden these snakes show up, and they start biting the people, and they start dying. And God instructs Moses, make a bronze snake and lift it up, and, and as the people look at it and believe, they will be healed. And it seems to me that the, the believing they needed to recognize is, I'm part of the problem. Mm -hmm. I've caused this with, with, our, with my complaining, with our grumbling. And, and questioning Moses' leadership has resulted in me being bitten by this snake. And, and by looking at the snake, at the bronze snake, I admit I, I, I'm part of the problem. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. So the parallel is that some people look at the cross and they say, oh, God wanted a child sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, you know what? I am the cause of mm. Jesus' death on the cross. Mm. It is my wickedness that put him there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the Christianity has so twisted what happened at the cross that we, mm -hmm. it, takes, it, it leaves us off the hook. We don't see ourselves as killing Jesus. We, we see it as something that God needed to have happen. And, and so uh, that's why he died on the cross, so that he could appease God's wrath and then God could forgive us. So yeah, it's time we took responsibility for our wickedness. Yeah. And what we did to God when he came to visit us. Well, and just a little tiny thing that's standing out in here for me is that the, when we're looking at the bronze uh, statue, we are seeing that we have forced God away. And so we're, we're saying we're changing our mind now and saying, actually he is our savior. I need him close. And then also with the cross, what you guys have been explaining too about that for me is I'm understanding now that he, by doing that, he's giving us the opportunity to change our minds about him. And so when we see our self and we see what, what we required in this crucifixion of, of Christ, it's changing my mind and realizing I don't want to force him away. I actually want him because the gift of this love that he's giving me is so great and powerful. So right I love on. it. Right on. Good. Like, can you read the next paragraph there, Sasha? Mm -hmm. For this is how God loved the world. He gave us his one and only son 
so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Thank you. So now we've, uh, we've got right at the heart of this. Whoever believes, you know, God does all. This is how God loved the world. He gave his son um, and he gives and we believe. That's sort of the, uh, the team spirit, yeah. <laughs> he gives and we believe. He takes the initiative always. Yeah, and we believe we caused the problem. And he provided the solution. Yeah. And also, I think for me, because this word believe, uh, when we were going through this earlier, uh, I wondered if the believe also is that I believe what he says about me being true, my origin, uh, where I come from, uh, who I am to him, that I believe that. And I, I was listening to a sermon that you did, Ian, uh, on Sabbath. And, and that was the crux of it is, do we believe what he says about us? And, and you ask the people in the congregation. And I just felt so much kinship for the people because everybody was doing their very best to try and explain it theologically and, and, and intellectually, but you kept digging at the point and you kept saying, but what does that mean for you? And it was like breaking down the wall. And then people are going like, actually, I believe that I am these labels. I believe that I am these things. And so now turning our mind and changing our mind to believing what God says about us is what's changing people's lives. And, and I just like, it was beautiful because it was very true for me as well. Mm -hmm. So there's, uh, thanks, Sasha. Uh, Warren, if you can pick up the last paragraph. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Okay, so the, the word believe has been used five times in these five verses. Uh, it's really central to the whole issue. You notice that believing like marriage is a transitive word. You, you can't just be married. You have to be married to someone. You can't just believe. You have to believe in someone or something. Mm -hmm. In this case, we're believing in Jesus Christ as the savior of my soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he says that five times in these three verses, or these three Powerful. paragraphs. We, we're starting to chase down the meaning now of uh, this uh, word. Let's talk about synonyms for believing. Mm -hmm. You have some synonyms you can suggest? Well, I, my favorite is trust. You can believe in something but not trust it. But if you trust it, it seems to just take it to the next level. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's what he's referring to here is that um, believing is, is trusting. Mm -hmm. I know faith is also used. Um, somebody told me when I was in my uh, trying to figure things out and questioning lots of things, they said, just have faith. And I, and I remember feeling discouraged because I said, I don't have 
I don't have trust yet, right? So trust is the issue. So I think that faith can happen when there's trust and yeah. Confidence is another mm -hmm. word. Um, mm -hmm. You have confidence in someone you trust, mm -hmm. someone you have faith in. Um, so there's some synonyms, but synonyms, they might give you new insights on what it means, but they're not really definitions. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to press this a little bit more. Um, you know, the devils were present when Jesus was alive. I mean, they watched him do his miracles. They saw the shepherds uh, receive the news that the Savior had been born. Um, they, they were with Jesus for his whole life, his death and his resurrection. They were, they were actually there watching it all. You don't have to convince them that Jesus Christ uh, was a, a person in history. Mm -hmm. They were actually there, but they don't believe. They don't trust Jesus yeah. as their personal savior. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the big difference. The trust is lacking. They believe it as an intellectual admission that it took place, but they don't trust him. Well, and I think because you are also explaining um, about the idea of having uh, like the, the law and the rules were leading to death. And so if there isn't um, belief, um, then basically they, they were seeing it, but it wasn't going to be an experience that they were personally going to be able to say, I, I want this. It was rebellion and, and still hardening or the veil even, you know, like there was separation there. Yeah. Jesus once responded to what, uh, how important belief is. Um, some sincere people came to Jesus in John chapter six, and they said, we want to perform God's works. What should we do? I like that uh, attitude, you know. Um, I feel that way too. Uh, I want to do, I want to do something meaningful for God. I want to do some good works for him. <laughs> and so what's Jesus' reply? Warren, you like this verse, so you read it. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one whom he has sent. Mm. Only work that God the only thing wants we can do. from him. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty dogmatic, categorical, whatever you want to say. Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to get distracted and think there's lots of other things we need to be doing. And he says, no, this is the only work that you can do, is to believe. And everything grows out of that. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, uh, I have met very few really lazy people in my life. Um, I've met people who don't like doing certain things. Um, I think I'm one of those. Um, but generally, people want to do something. They want to make a contribution. And I don't think the problem is a lack of work. I think the problem is a lack of belief in Jesus Christ. 
a lack of emotional connection. Yeah, I think the the tapes that run are pretty ingrained, though. I, I'll just be honest for myself. I feel like I was and still am tempted to believe the thoughts that come that are, what if he comes and says to me, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. And, and it's very hard because I know myself and I will, you know, stress myself out to the end's degree, worrying that I haven't done enough. And then just even hearing this almost makes me go, hmm, I wonder if those tapes are there to, you know, bring me out of the experience instead of being in, um, you know, if that's not actually helpful. <laughs> I mean, I know it's not helpful, but. Yeah. Are they helpful or harmful? Yeah, yeah. There's there's the story that Jesus told about um, the sower that went forth to sow seed, and he threw the seed, and it landed on different kinds of soil. And and one of the soils, the the birds came and plucked the seed up. And I think the enemy is there when you hear something, you you think, wow, is, that's could that be true? And and he comes and creates doubt so that we don't really grasp it. We let him take it away, and and that's kind of what what this is about, I think. So, you know, I, uh, I sat down and thought about what it means to believe for myself. Now, this is very personal. Um, uh, if it resonates for you, I'm happy. Um, but it is uh, what believing in Jesus means for me. Uh, you're welcome to challenge me or add to it. But I'm pretty passionate about this, and you'll have to be uh, really insistent to stop me. <laughs> so here we go. Jesus loves me. And because love is so discounted by loving Dairy Queen and Kentucky Fried Chicken and chocolate, I like to say, Jesus has great affection for me. Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody has affection for you, uh, it's kind of warm. And you can tell it from their eyes, their tone of voice, and words they use. Jesus knows me by name. Uh, a few years ago, I had dinner with Jason Kenny. He wasn't the premier of Alberta then. And we had wonderful conversation. And uh, if I met Jason Kenny today, I would recognize him. I know his name, but I doubt he would remember me and definitely not remember my name. But God, Jesus, know me by name. It's incredible to me. Yeah. I'm so embarrassed when I can't remember a person's name. And I know I know the name. Yeah. You know, there was a, a general conference president, I think it was Elder Pearson, that always knew people's name <laughs> and would call them by name. And it wasn't until just a few years ago that I learned that whoever was taking Pearson around, he would ask him, what's that guy's name? And he'd tell him, and then he'd call him by name. He didn't remember his name from Adam, but he knew enough to ask and call him by name and just made such an impression on people. 
Imagine getting to heaven and Jesus says, hey, Ian, I'm so glad you're here. I've been yeah. waiting so long to have you here. Hey, guys, come over here and meet Ian. <laughs> yeah. I'm precious to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Precious. He has forgiven all my faults and failures. He has written my name in his book of life. He has my picture on his fridge. You know, that's how you tell who's precious to you. Mm -hmm. Look on your fridge. God will not, cannot stop loving me. It's impossible for him. God cannot imagine living without me. You know, Gethsemane and Calvary demonstrated uh, God and Jesus' astonishing love. I can sleep while he's dying of depression, but he has no thought of revenge. I can betray him, but he has no thought of revenge. I can abandon him, but he has no thought of revenge. I can deny him. He has no thought of revenge. I can torture him. And he has no thought of revenge against me. I can reject him, abuse him, mock him, and finally execute him. But none of these wicked actions diminish his love for me in the slightest. Amen. Wow. Sasha, will you read 1 Corinthians 13, 13? Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So that's how I know what I know about our relationship. God's love just does not decrease with my bad behavior. Yeah. His love will never end. Mm. Now, when Jesus rose, there was no thought of retaliation in him. His first words to his guilt-laden disciples always were, be not afraid or peace be unto you. So I want us to read some of these passages. Matthew 28, 10. Warren? Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Why did Jesus say this so often? Because his followers were so filled with guilt and remorse at the way they treated Jesus. They were really expecting to be punished. John 20, 19. Sasha? Hmm? That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind closed, locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be unto you, he said. Verse 21. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Mm -hmm. And verse 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. So, like, you just keep saying this. Peace be with you. 
because he knows the turmoil in their hearts. I'm sure they, they were overwhelmed with regret, thinking, why didn't we at least try to stop them from taking his life? Even if it cost my life, why didn't I try to keep the soldiers from doing that? And I did nothing. I just let it happen. Mm -hmm. and, and he comes and says, no, just be at peace. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, then imagine Peter, not only he didn't dis, uh, defend Jesus, well, he tried and failed, but then he denied him three times. Yeah. yeah. Even though he'd been warned. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this uh, greeting, peace be unto you, hasn't changed. 2,000 years late, he says this, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind and heart and the peace i give is a gift the world cannot give so don't be troubled or afraid mm. periodically i find myself anxious and uh, after a bit i remember who i am mm. and i have a, a stern dialogue with myself ian you are not an orphan you are a royal son of God, a prince of the realm. Mm -hmm. He cares for you. He knows you by name. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Yeah. Put your wow. fears aside. Yeah. That's so beautiful, Ian. Don't be troubled or afraid. Mm -hmm. so He's the mind and heart, yeah at the beginning of 2022. I'm leaving you with a gift, says Jesus. Peace of mind, logic, mm -hmm. and heart, your emotional stability. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Don't be troubled or afraid. So Jesus actually defines uh, believing in this John 14, 27. It's not being troubled or afraid by what happens because Jesus has given you the peace of mind and heart. I covered it for you, Sasha. I covered it for you, Warren. And for anyone watching or listening, it's yours. Take it and run with it. That's what it means to believe. Mm. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Let us pray together. Oh, dear God, we are in your presence. What a wonderful place to be at the beginning of a year or any time. And we pause in your presence and remember that you made us to love us and to serve us and that you miss us and that you want us to be with yourself and you working from every angle to get us there. We pray that the veil will be lifted from our eyes and our ears and especially our hearts so that we might have the sense of your presence with us each day 
of our lives, each moment of the day. You're too wonderful for words. And we worship you. We are in your presence. And we just sense that affinity, that affection that you have for us. And we admire and adore you. Help us to be more eloquent in our appreciation. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us today on this journey to understand the God that Jesus knew. To enable you to share this with your friends, we've developed a website at www.rediscoveringgod.ca where all the podcasts are posted and you can also download a PDF document that gives you the passages that we've been looking at in each podcast that you can review, follow along, or share also with your friends. In addition to the website, you can reach us at rediscoveringgod20 at gmail.com. If you have questions or just would like to share with us, we would be glad to hear from you. Thank you so much.